Should we start the episode? Yeah. Just as you start putting an M&M in your mouth. Hi, guys. Hi, again. Oh, I forgot I don't like peanuts. Well... <laughs> That's your fault. It really is my fault. I tried to say M&M's for breakfast and I think I ended up saying M&M's for brick. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine making a brick the out of M&M's? The wise man built his house of M&M's. I don't know what that is. Christian memes. <laughs> Jesus loves you, M&M's. <laughs> You're saying that's the next ad campaign. Instead of the wife having an affair with an M&M, it's actually Jesus. <laughs> Jesus having an affair with an M&M. <laughs> no, he turns, instead of water into white, it's water into an M&M. When do they go to London? What? <laughs> well, where is London involved in that? Oh, yeah, the M&M world. What? I think this is completely irrelevant to Jesus turning water into an M&M. See, we're going for... I think we're going for the wrong miracle with this angle. I think we should be going for Jesus feeds the 5,000. They're like, oh, we have, like, two loaves and seven fishes. How are we going to feed all these 5,000 people? And Jesus is just like... And then, like, there's M&M's out of his mouth. Jesus is M&M. Wait, Jesus is M&M? Jesus is Eminem. He's Marshall Mathers. Yeah. I'm not afraid to get crucified. Jokes. He was very afraid. Hashtag got him get so many hollering. You know, you know what? what also would be a miracle. Us recording this bloody podcast. Yes. Us having, you know, the conversation we had saying we should get this done quickly and then we can get on with the thing. And then we proceeded to spend eight, eight and a half minutes. I did not start this. You ate you an M&M. You started eating m M&M and then you just did it again. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Claire. I'm Carrie. And I'm Callum. And this is See How It Goes, the podcast where we make blind assumptions about films and then we, well, we insert the theme tune. See, See how it goes. We are back. Yes. I'm alive again. <laughs> So we are back after a brief hiatus due to staff illness. Yeah, we'll go that. <laughs> I didn't realise you we, are we staff. Were... we're all staff for this. I like to think of myself more as the um, the freelance intern who just kind of pops in and out and is just like, "Hi guys, can you Bye. get us a coffee?" <laughs> yeah. So this week we are going to be watching the iconic, the ideal, the cult eighties film. The early morning eatery gang. Yes, that film. Yes. You don't remember the name. <laughs> no, what? I don't really. <laughs> this is a mess. I love it. We right, are a this mess. Is top notch this, is, this is our true selves mess. I have watched this film before quite a long time ago. Callum, can you describe your experiences with this film? Uh, I watched it once when I was about five because my dad put it on and said, here, this is a classic film, we should watch it. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good idea. And then I proceeded to not pay very much attention to it, mostly spend a lot of time fiddling around with some Lego and then look up at the screen and go, yeah, but when do they eat breakfast? (laughs) So that's all I know about this film. Like, since... They never eat breakfast, which is very unhealthy. We should all eat breakfast. A balanced breakfast is the perfect start to the day. <laughs> Carrie, what do you know about this film? I know it's um, about some ragamuffins. Just ragamuffins. Get, get it up to some tiddlewaddle. 
Okay, in full honesty, I think I've only watched about 15 seconds of it because my flatmates were watching it in the kitchen and I popped in to make some toast and I was like, cool. I don't want to watch it. Just walked out. I'm just preoccupied with bread. Uh, yeah, of course. We all know I have a fetish for bread. So to prevent any uh, cheating by people who have technically watched this film while they're five, uh, we're going to go to Carrie. So the runtime of this film is 97 minutes long. So Carrie has 97 seconds okay. to sum up what she thinks is going to happen in The Breakfast Club. Are you ready? No. Okay, let's see how it goes. Three, two, one. <laughs> so we have four, no, five teenagers. Um, we have Boris. We have Delilah. We have <laughs> We have Colin. And we have uh, Bob. And they've all got into trouble for some reason. And they have Saturday morning detention. And they don't have breakfast, but they call it the breakfast club because it's catchy and they think it might catch on to something. And actually, no, yes, they do have breakfast. They, they serve this breakfast and it's really bad breakfast. Like really terrible, really greasy, not flavorful at all. And these ragamuffins, they're all like, oh God, this is a terrible breakfast, guys. You know what? Let's, after this, we're gonna go around town and find the best breakfast. <laughs> they go into every cafe to try and find the perfect breakfast and midway through one of them gets stomach flu and we don't know if they're going to be able to finish the tour in the town of uh, uh, Sunset Valley <laughs> Sunset Valley um, and that's why there are so many breakfast cafes but they managed to make them well again Bob is all fine <laughs> and they actually find the best breakfast which is in their home no, their home where they all live <laughs> together yeah and so their their souls are full of bread <laughs> and that is exactly one minute and 37 seconds I, <laughs> I, I mean I want to see this film I can't tell, aside from the stomach flu I can't tell whether I want to see this film or be part of this film <laughs> I think... Do you want to be Delilah or Janine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to be Delilah. Are <laughs> you hey there, Delilah? What's it like in Breakfast City? In Sunset Valley! <laughs> Who would you be? Bob, Colin or Boris? <laughs> I mean, I think I should be Boris and we should cast my friend Boris as Bob. <laughs> Ironically, I think that's perfect casting. Yeah, I like this. I think Wait, it's accurate. Who's Colin? Colin the yes. Caterpillar. Yes, it's a Colin the Caterpillar cake. <laughs> a sentient Colin the Caterpillar. See, I, I, I think we need to make this film. Where it's obviously, we can't call it The Breakfast Club, but since we're millennials, I think I've got the perfect The Breakfast idea. Ragamuffins. The Brunch Bunch. Yes! yes! I'm down with that. Can we go for brunch? Yes. Yeah. We can do that. I mean, I'm working tomorrow, so I can't. I mean, I'm also at work tomorrow filming this on a Tuesday. Yeah. Carrie, you can go to brunch <laughs> with Colin, the caterpillar. I'll do, I'll, yeah, I'll take Colin and we'll go through all the cafes and I'll give each of you, like, a five-page essay on each of them. Please do, that's all I want out of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is my purpose. Find the perfect breakfast. Guys, I'm gonna go now. Okay, okay bye. 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 I'm gonna... Right, where's the nearest cafe?
There's one literally everywhere. All right, so that's Carrie's exciting prediction for the film. And now, well, we're gonna see how it goes. Ba -ba -da -ba. John Cena! John Cena! Damn, Carrie. Back at it again with another trigger warning. Just to let you know that we do talk about the use of sexual violence and homophobic slurs in this episode. So if you're not comfortable with that, you are more than welcome to catch us another time. But in the meantime, let's get back to the brunch bunch. And we're back. So, guys, what did you think of the film? I have opinions. I also have opinions. I liked it, but I still have opinions. Excellent. So I... why don't we categorise those opinions in a segment that we like to call Good, Bad and don't you forget about memes. That song is too iconic for us to forget about it. Uh, so we're going to start off with the good. So, Carrie, what did you think was good about this film? Um, I think what I really liked about it, actually, was the editing, because I think it gave the film really a really good sense of structure. Because Hollywood nowadays, they, they love a good cut, don't they? They're like, chop, 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 Oh wait, the film's done. Um, oh wait, no, it's three hours long, even though the editing is redonkulous. Anyway, it was very well paced and it changed camera angles for a reason and not because it needed to keep the momentum going. And I thought, cool, can we start doing that now in 2019? That'd be hecka appreciated. I know exactly what you mean. I find that with a lot of films for dance numbers, especially films and TV shows, now we'll like keep cutting to like the dancers faces and then cutting away whereas films from you know 50 60 years ago you'd actually get to see the dance that they put a lot of effort into yeah mm -hmm. um so yeah i get what you mean it was nice to kind of have that and be able to actually appreciate the scene a lot more yeah it gave the film breathing space and so whenever there was character development going on or we found out more about a character the backstory we had time to let the air breathe and like process it rather than and montage i mean there were still montages which i'll cover in a second but yeah i i love me a long take and I miss it a lot in in films it's one of my my worst pet peeves with films if it feels like the only reason you are cutting here and changing camera angle is because you want to cut between two different takes when you could have just done more takes. Mm. I know that it doesn't necessarily fit quite a lot of films, but with a really tight ensemble piece like this, just giving room for lines to breathe, just letting a camera linger for a while really kind of adds to it and it adds to the kind of naturalistic aspect of a lot of the, the way that they did the dialogue in this film. It took me a while to figure out why, and this will kind of come up when I'm talking about my bit in a second, but there was a kind of feeling during a fair amount of this film when I was watching it, where I was thinking, this feels like I'm watching a one-act play. The setting is, is important, but you could basically do this entire film in a single room with just these characters, and that is a really, really strong film and a good strong story and and a sign of good strong dialogue that the film is interesting not because of 
big flashy events happening, but because of smaller character moments happening. Mm. And that's that's a really, really one of the reasons I think that I like this film a lot. So, Cal, what did you like about this film? So, uh, sticking to my, my usual area of expertise, um, the use of sound in this film was amazing. Both there was a lot of use of diegetic sound and foley that was really, really well done, that was really clear and, and crisp and just kind of conveyed exactly what it needed to, which allowed for some really good comedic moments that were really kind of well highlighted and also just gave you such kind of a sense of, of place throughout most of the film. But also, I really like this film for as, as much not putting in sound as it did for putting in sound. Because there are so many films that you watch which are just chock full of, oh, well, uh, there's a moment of silence, so let's put in a car going by in the background, or this sound happening over here, or some background music. And they really savoured silence in this film. There were lots of bits where they left room for a line to just hang and just be there. And instead of putting in music to tell you you should be feeling a way about this, it just lets you figure out what you're supposed to be feeling and is not afraid to leave you with an uncomfortable silence for a long period of time, which really helps you kind of feel like you are part of that, that awkwardness. It helps put you back in that space which I think is part of why it kind of connects so well, because you feel like you are clearly there in in that space with the silence and the crushing boredom. And that really helps set the scene, especially at the beginning when there's just silence for a very long time. I completely agree. It's like it's like the bit with um, the weird sandwich. I don't even... <laughs> To be honest, guys, I don't really know the character's name, so feel free to fill me in. Uh, the weird girl sandwich when she was just like putting these weird ass things and then it was like that big crunch that was like so visceral and <laughs> and aggressive. She loved the crunch. She, she loved the crunch. She loved the crunch. Gotta get that crunch. That helped really sell that in the fact that everyone else is just silent and looking at her, but you can hear just the small sound effects to begin with of her like emptying out like the like sherbet sachet onto the bread and then like reaching a gram like a handful of, of I assume like rice krispies? No, I like. think they they look like Cheetos. Yeah, I think they were crisps. They were like some form No, you know what they were? They were like golden nuggets. Like that's a legit cereal. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think you're right, yeah. You're getting like a handful of them, hearing like it rustling, putting them in, in, in the sandwich, and then just like having a <laughs> deafeningly loud crunch that is far louder than it like by right should be. <laughs> but also is just amplified by the fact that there is like no other sound. What's that? Sushi. Sushi? <laughs> Rice, uh, raw fish, and seaweed. You won't accept a guy's tongue in your mouth and you're gonna eat that? Can I eat? I don't know. Give it a try.
Yeah, it felt very kind of stripped back and breathable, as you guys have kind of been saying. Yeah. It's it's nice not to have your, like, senses just assaulted with, like, this and this and this and this. Like, all of these colours and all of these sounds and all of these things to look at and all of these things to consider and all of these characters. It's nice to watch a film which just gives you that breathing space. Yeah. So that kind of brings us on to my good thing as well, which um, kind of leading on from how naturalistic we felt the film was, is the character archetypes. So, I mean, there's both in a... We all know the stereotypes of these high school characters, you know, the jock, the nerd, the burnout, the... Uh, the prom queen and so you know these are all character archetypes which we are very familiar with in our media but more so than that I felt like I knew each and every one of these characters like I went to school with them slash was them and a lot of this film hasn't really aged well which we'll get on to discussing but just those kind of character archetypes and the fact that me who went to school like 30 years after this film came out still completely related with these characters like I recognize them I recognize them I was that kid I recognize them I recognize them I thought was really a testimony to like how naturalistic the film was and it wasn't just kind of stuck in a very specific time zone I still related to um, the characters I'm gonna put this out there because this film is such a character character study hot take Everybody. I feel like The Breakfast Club is the Stanislavskian play of that of the 80s. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. Because it's so about character study and, like, full-on, like, in-depth research into psychology and everything. I mean, in the 80s way, <laughs> the 80s version of that really comes through because it is so much about analysing, actually, these archetypes and how people might feel in these positions and it's not too faceted is that a word but i think the reason why it works so well is because it works on a very theater technique as old as time <laughs> <laughs> this is where you just recite an actor prepares <laughs> For people who don't know about Stanislavski, I appreciate... Stan the man. Stan the man. We stand the stan. If, you, if we stand, not the tooch, we stand the, the, the ski. We stand the Slavski. He's a cool dude. He was a Russian guy that was really sick of all like the pantomime, Greek chorus, very sort of over-the-top style of acting that was rife in, in the theatre community. And so, what? Were you reminding me? rife in the theatre community. I mean, it yes, was. Do, doing gestures. That'll work very well on our audio medium podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he took a bunch of people, I think, into, like, a, a summer camp and they were working on... Like, or am I confusing this with somebody else? Anyway, he wrote a book called An Actor Prepares, <laughs> which drama teachers worship. And we all know good old Stan the Man. And it's all about psychology and character study and being in the moment. <laughs> what would your character do? Stan the Man is the reason why we have actual, like, actors trying to be emotive rather than just telling you, ah, I am sad. forsooth, I am forlorn. <laughs> and you're going, yes, I can see how forlorn you are being all forlorn all over that chaise long or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's just my goal. Did for, people like, before anything. Stanislavski have chaise longs? When was Stan? I mean, 
He's Stan Eternal. Stanislavski, I feel like Stan is an eternal being. Was turn of like nineteen hundreds. Stan was and Chislong who have been around since like Baroque France. So there were definitely at least a hundred years before Stanislavski, but after Chislong. Okay, so we can all agree (laughs) on the timeline. There is Chislong. Stan had a very nice chaiselong to pontificate naturalism. Indeed he did. This is so not relevant! No. (laughs) Since when was anything we ever said on this podcast relevant? (laughs) Hot take. Stan loved a chaiselong. Probably. (laughs) So, that brings us on to our... I'm just thinking about how I'm going to edit this later. Good luck. Have fun editing, Carrie. Love you. That brings us on to our next section, which is bad stuff. I'll start off with my bad thing, because I think out of everything, it's probably the lightest. Probably. Oh, yeah. The teacher. Obviously, he's meant to not be a particularly nice teacher. He is explored kind of more in his, his chats with the janitor. I was like, you thought this would be an easy job and you were mistaken. You're not being very nice with students. But there's not being very nice. And then there's literally locking a child who is in your care in a cupboard, locking him in a very small cupboard, stacked full of things, and kind of insulting him, verbally abusing him, and then just kind of leaving him there. If there was a fire, that would have not ended very well. And I know that I always talk about health and safety and all of this, but... That teacher was not just a bad teacher. He was straight up abusive to his students. He was not exercising his, like, duty of care. He was not looking after them. Uh, He just kind of left them on their own at best and abused them at worst. Everything's a big joke, huh, Bender? The false alarm you pulled Friday. False alarms are really funny, aren't they? What if you're home? What if your family... What if your dope was on fire? Impossible, sir. It's in Johnson's underwear. <laughs> oh, you think he's funny? You think this is cute? You think he's bitching? Is that it? Let me tell you something. Look at him. He's a bum. You want to see something funny? You go visit John Bender in five years. You'll see how goddamn funny he is. That's the last time, Bender. That's the last time you ever make me look bad in front of those kids. Do you hear me? I make $31,000 a year and I've got a home and I'm not about to throw it away on some punk like you. But someday, man, someday, when you're out of here and you've forgotten all about this place and they've forgotten all about you and you're wrapped up in your own pathetic life, I'm going to be there. That's right. And I'm going to kick the living shit out of you, man. I'm going to knock your dick in the dirt. You think anybody is going to take your word over mine? I'm a man of respect around here. They love me around here. I'm a swell guy. You're a lion sack of shit. And everybody knows it. I think to go on from that, in the teacher's conversation with the with the janitor, it, it's quite clear that he does teaching for vanity and for power reasons. 
because he cares about what the students think and he 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 the reason why he's lost it with bender and locks him in a cupboard is because he made him look ridiculous in front of the other students it's purely like for an ego and vanity reasons and i think this links to the david bowie quote at the beginning when it says and these children that you spit on as they try to change their world are immune to your consultations they're quite aware of what they're going through so i think it's relating to how this teacher is try and discipline these children like spit on them and verbally abuse them when maybe he's kind of aware that it's actually not going to make any difference whatsoever. He's just doing it in order to think, oh, look, I am doing my job. But knowing that actually at the end of the day, he's not going to be able to control anything of what these kids are doing and they're going to shape a new world. I think that a lot of this film is trying to point out that he's basically in exactly the same position that they are. They're just aware of it. Like, they're all aware of the fact that they are frustrated with where their life is and they're frustrated about things and they want to try and change it but they don't know how. And I think there's a lot of parallels that are drawn during this film. Like, the fact that they're all, like, sitting there being bored out of their minds and when we cut back to him in his office and he's just, like, making a random contraption out of pencils and tying it together and trying to, like, spin it round. And it's like, clearly he is also bored out of his mind and has no idea what he's supposed to be doing with his time. And then he has this whole discussion with Carl the janitor about how he... Uh, is worried about the future and how he's worried about the fact that one day these um, these kids are going to be running the country and like when he's old they're going to have to look after him and then probably my favourite line of the film when Carla's like I wouldn't bet on that because he's treating them like yeah. utter shit basically yeah I think that it's all meant to build builds this big parallel where him and Bender are not particularly different people it's just the stage in life that they're at. Bender is all talk and all, like, I have to be the big man, I have to do this. And it's exactly what he is as well, mm. except instead of it being, like, I'm going to act out and I'm going to be rude, it's I'm going to try and show my power by abusing it and talking about how I earn this much money, I have a house. And that's all that he can come back back at him with is, look at me, I'm big, I have power. But then also he's clearly, when he has that conversation with someone who's the same age as him, he's clearly, like, falling apart. It kind of builds on the... He's a naturalistic character, but in terms of the film ageing, he is more than just a bad teacher and a bad person. He is straight-up abusive to his students to the point that he could have very easily done very lasting damage to them, uh, both mentally and also if there was a fire or something and Bender would been locked in there Mm. like really really bad stuff would have happened yeah Yeah. what we're saying is that there's a difference between a teacher being vain and trying to demonstrate power because some teachers today do that like we all we all we all have that one teacher that didn't really get into teaching for the right reasons and then there's downright being abusive Mm. and and i think they didn't need the teacher to be that abusive in order for the point to come across. Because, mm. like, that conversation with the janitor, and I think, like, that sentence of, like, I made $31,000 without the all the rest, without the verbal abuse made its point enough. It didn't need to take it to that extreme. Mm. Yeah. There was a point to the scene, but it didn't make it any less egregious. It's an important point, and it's an important thing to show us about Bender as a character, 
but it's still it's really it's still really uncomfortable to watch and it's i feel like it is definitely something which has aged worse and worse considering that the standards that we hold teachers to have gone up and up as they rightly should yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely who wants to go next do you want to do rock paper scissors because our because both of our points are equally like horrific sure Rock, paper, paper scissors. scissors. Oh. Uh, hang on, hang on. Let's go. One, two, three, shoot. Yeah, that's okay. what that's what I was thinking. All right, so. Oh. Rock, rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. You can't hold my hand while I'm trying to make a shape with it. <laughs> that, that's why you let it go before I said shoot. You were holding onto my thumb. <laughs> right. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. I'm going first. All right. Okay. What a, what a really juvenile way to talk about something so horrific. There are so many things that have aged so badly in this film to the point where I was so uncomfortable I could not enjoy it. Like, I know you guys have enjoyed it and have appreciated it, but I and I, I don't like the film. Like, I'm just going to come out now. I don't like it for that reason. It was the use of sexual assault and primarily as a form of humour because there's a moment, um, for people who don't know, there's a moment um, when Bender is hiding from the teacher and it's meant to be this like comedic scene of him hiding and everyone trying to cover, cover up. I don't know why because none of them like him. But, th- but that being said, there's a shot where it's literally just up molly ringwald's skirt and it's her underwear which i feel like was an unnecessary shot and i don't know why that needed to be there and then there's a shot of bender like trying to like go further into oh god i feel so uncomfortable even like describing it and it's you know molly ring claire sorry i don't like saying claire but um like her trying to like fight back whilst also trying to cover up for him and i'm like as a woman if that was happening to me i would so not cover up for this man no matter how attracted to him i would be which i don't know why because he's a bloody asshole i was so disgusted by that scene and there's so many instances of everyone harassing her about her sexual life everyone harassing her in terms of her appearance oh god it's just disgusting and it's aged so horrifically and yeah that is i hate it yeah i i very much agree if there were lots and lots of instances during this film where they're basically they're just harassing each other about their sex lives and like yeah i understand when i was a teenager that's basically what like spending time with other teenagers is going to devolve into at some point when you have nothing else to talk about it's going to be harassing each other about how about that sex that we're having then like it's going to get to that point it's so it's unnecessary the point is is that it's so unnecessary yeah like the 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 harassing the character Claire at the kind of slightly earlier on in the film, just like, have you done, have you done? Okay, I think we all remember that kid who was just really, really belligerent. It's just like, well, have you, have you, have you? And whatever you said, as they pointed out in the film, it would be the wrong answer. That's recognisable. In a kind of ordinary school context, that's recognisable. But it's a bit too far is yeah, they take showing it too far. the sexual assault. And then furthermore, the fact that they end up together at the end after he's spent pretty much the entire film being rude to her, um, harassing her, her, sexually assaulting her, all of this, like making her cry twice, I think. Yeah, times, I think even more times. than that. And then they end up together at the end. Like, What? That's because, like, at the beginning they demonstrated that she's horny for him. And I'm like, well, why? I don't see any reason 
for him to be attracted to her because he's done all these horrific things over the course of the day. Yeah, I think literally the only thing is that, like, the the whole thing, like, oh, she's, she's a good girl and she wants to get out under the thumb of her parents and he's a bad boy. And I think that's literally the only reason... That's even the only reason that they give at the end of the film for why they are even remotely attracted to each other is the fact that he's just like, oh, you want to get back at your parents? I would be a prime candidate for that. And that's it. They, they have no point when either one of them actually opens up to each other, like, outside of all of them opening up to each other in a group context. I think what they tried to do, and I think that what they were really aiming for was they were trying to go for, like, Bender is a criminal with a heart of gold. Except he doesn't have a heart of gold. He's just an asshole to everyone. Mm, I think yeah. they, they try they try and do it as like a oh he's he's acting up, but he doesn't actually do anything. Like the, with the scene with the teacher, it's trying to show, yeah. but he wasn't. Oh, he won't actually do anything. It's all talk, and it's because he was being abused at home and all of these things. And it's like those are reasons for behaviour. Yes, that doesn't make the behaviour excusable. Yes, because it's a thing of just because b- bad things have happened to you does not give you a right to be an asshole. Like, bad things could have happened to you. Like, bad things happened to me when I was younger. Like, traumatic things, like from bullying and stuff. But I'd like to think I'm not an asshole. And it's... I don't really know how much to add to that because, yeah, it doesn't validate someone's shitty behaviour. Mm. We can contrast that quite a lot with the other couple at the end of the film, um, the jock... And the other girl, whose name I've forgotten... Um, She's literally just the weird girl. Yeah. Um, So they have moments together. We see them at the start of the film where they just don't really have anything to say to each other when they are in scenes alone together. And then we get towards, like, the middle towards the end of the film and they open up to each other and they're like, oh, I understand you, I understand you. And then... At the end of the film, there is that very stereotypical kind of 80s, 90s, noughties thing of she has a makeover and now she's beautiful. And yes, there's very much elements of that. But the thing that he actually says to her is, this is great, I can see your face now. Not, wow, you're pretty now and I never noticed, but I can see your face. Hi everyone, post production Carrie um, has some things to say. So when I was looking for scenes to put in this podcast and I was looking at the various scenes, I was looking at the closet scene at the end between Bender and Claire. And during my research, I was seeing a lot of these music edits of, you know, romanticising their relationship. That shit is dangerous, okay? I know obviously I'm very lucky to have loving and supportive family and friends, But to have that kind of abusive relationship normalised and even romanticised in the social psyche, I mean, hopefully now that idea is dated and people don't think like that anymore, but the fact that there are people out there who believe that this is a true love story frankly disgusts me and worries me. Anyway, I just wanted to put that opinion out there. Let's get back to the podcast. You know how you said before how your parents use you to get back at each other? Wouldn't I be outstanding in that capacity? Were you really disgusted about what I did with my lipstick? Truth? Truth. No. What happened? 
happened to you? Why? Claire did it. What's wrong? It's just... It's just so different. I can see your face. Is that good or bad? I think contrasting Claire and Bender to Andrew and the other girl, you can just see the differences between characters who have a build-up, which we can see over the course of the film, and the kind of big moment at the end is, I can see your face now, this is really, really nice. I, yeah, this would be nice. As opposed to these two characters who just seem completely wrong for each other, who one of them is... is abusive towards the other one and then they get together for no better reason than oh this would be really great to get back at your parents and it's yeah it's, it's just so awful. not healthy and it's aged really badly yeah that so yeah uh i don't like breakfast club so yay fun yay. callum um so my one was less pervasive throughout the rest of the film, but a few times it came up, um, particularly relating to the character of Bender, where homophobic language was used as bullying and slurs. And, you know, I don't really have to go any further with that. It's something that is just, at the time, I know it was like the height of insults to call someone a and we can feel free to bleep that, because you'll know what I'm talking about. That's aged badly, and even at the time, that was, like, a horrible way to talk about someone else and try mm. and, you know... It's it's uncomfortable. Part of what made me uncomfortable was the fact that I was so not surprised by it or even faced by it seeing it, which, you know, shows that it's just such a part of... It's still normalised for us. Yeah, it's it was still something which, up to and including like my early to mid teenage years, was still something that people used as an insult, mm. which is horrible. And as someone who's gr- growing up and is is a queer person, that's something that's quite like disconcerting to me to look at that and not be phased by it. To the point where it almost didn't register with me. I think the only reason it registered with me is because it was written down on Bender's locker. Yeah. And that was what kind of brought it to my attention. I can understand the argument that at the time that was not as controversial a thing and was extremely realistic and to a certain extent still is, unfortunately. But yeah, that's something that definitely hasn't aged well with the film and makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. That's another thing that didn't age well. Mm-hmm. So, after that in-depth discussion of yes, let's... really not great things about that film, <sighs> let's lighten things up with our favourite... Memes! Yes, that. <laughs> right, so, memes. Who would like to go first? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to go first. You go forth. Go forth and prosper. This is something which I tend to spot in a lot of media, but was particularly bad in this film. The classic sexy lip bite. (laughs) (laughs) It it never looks... No one in their entire damn life has ever 
without actively thinking, oh, I'll do, I'll, I'll do this. No one has subconsciously ever bit their lip in a sexy fashion. It's always a, I'm making a deliberate decision, and Claire just bit her lip at me. I really um, hope it hurt. you heard Claire saying, ow. <laughs> anyway, um, lip biting. Yeah, uh, sexy lip bites. It, it happened so much during this film, and I'm like, I get it. They're teenagers. They're horny for each other. Just give it up already. I was sitting there, like, I'm watching scenes thinking, like, okay, When's the sexy little bite happening? Oh, there it is. Like, we had, like, the slow zoom on the jock when he finally sees uh, the the basket case after she's had her makeover from Claire, which consisted entirely of putting a hairband on her and waving mascara vaguely in front of her face. <laughs> yeah, literally no mascara. As someone who has a makeup qualification and, like, spent a lot of time <laughs> painting people's faces, I was like... None of that product is going near her eyes. And then she walks out and she's got this beautiful eyeshadow. And it's, it's... I'm like, wow, Claire's really great at eyeshadow. What a great smoky eye. Maybe she should open a shop. Claire's accessories, perhaps. Anyway. I never um, get a discount that I, I have asked. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I, there was that shot where it was like this very slow back and forth for like... A and B shot of her walking out of the room, him looking at her, her looking at him. And I was like... Okay, and three, two, one. Sexy lip bite from him. It's just like, yeah. It's particularly bad in this film. But be on the lookout for it in just any form of media at all. Because it's such a lazy shorthand for there is no sexual tension in this scene. I would honestly prefer if, like, literally there was, like, a little subtitle that flashed up that just said, this character is horny. <laughs> I'd rather that instead of the lip bite. I'd rather that than the lip bite at this point. Quite as naturalistic. No, but I'm. I'm Stan the man would not approve. This is where Brex comes in with like a placard. I've moved on from Stan. I'm 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 with Brex now. Friendship with Stan over. Bertolt is my friend now. Bertie. 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 What you saw Bertie earlier? No, no. Sorry, I didn't see Bertie. I saw Alfie. Oh, yes. Alfie is my father's dog. Bertie He's a beautiful, a dog. old, gentle, wired fox terrier. He's, he barked at me a lot. Bork! Bork, bork. Why do any of my dogs always get mentioned here? <laughs> because they're great and we don't have pets. Okay. We have dog first. Dust? Dust? No. Dog? <laughs> Just no. No. So, um, my meme is, is kind of like going back to the character archetypes and how relatable they are. Yes. Even now, it's tag yourself, I'm Brian. Because, tag yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're Brian. Why I'm Brian. are you Brian? I'm Brian because I fully understand both the... I was quite a, a good kid at school in terms of didn't get into trouble very much and had pretty good grades and so I fully relate to the whole like I very much I need to get good grades and that is very important to me for various reasons but also they're like volunteering just random information to break social tension like come on fellas we don't need to be doing this and it's just like oh god it's me as a teenager it's when he kissed the essay (laughs) I (laughs) will neither confirm nor deny (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you feel called out? I felt personally called out. I get that. Carrie, who are you? My meme. No, I'm no, not- no, not my meme. My my Your soul. I I've already said this. I think I'm weird girl because. When I was in primary school, I, I, I wasn't like all the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope to never hear that phrase again. <laughs> um, I, did, I wasn't like one for like being in the playground and actually like socialising because no one liked me, lol. And I thought I had nothing better to do to quote the weird girl. And I just sat in the classroom when there were school council meetings going on. I just sat there. Wait, so it wasn't like... It wasn't like adult council meetings. It was just student school council meetings. Yes. Which you weren't elected to. No. And you just hung out with them. And I just hung out <laughs> with them. I love you too, Carrie. I love you too. I was a loner in primary school. I get you. To be honest, I'd have found it weirder if it was like the adult like school council meetings and you were just like, yes, let me just sit in on your meeting talking about, okay, well now what about the budget for water fountains this coming year? To be fair, adults actually didn't mind having me around because I always just, you know, just sat in the corner and didn't really do anything. Yeah, so I, I like, remember doing that. I was, they're like, oh, she's over there. That's fine. Budget for the water fountains. Mm. <laughs> in my, in, when I was in sixth form, my first singing teacher just let me kind of sit in her lesson so I wouldn't have to go to PSE. Oh, Claire. I know. I love you. Claire. Who are Callum, you, who are you? I'm called the janitor because I'm the least problematic person. You saying we're problematic? No, I, I, you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> like, out of all of them, you don't fit to any of the student archetypes. Really? You're like, who else are you? And you're like, I'm the janitor. I was like, yes, yes, you're you a world are. of your own. I'm you just are- chill. I show up and I'm like, hey, how are you doing, fellow peoples? Cool. Catch you next week. <laughs> that sounds like Jeff Goldblum. How are you doing, fellow humans? Uh, in my head, I had, like, the um, Steve Buscemi and 30 Rock being like, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> yes. I'm like that with ch- kids in general. Unless they're, like, essentially me, but 13 years ago, and they're really into books, and I can be like, this, I liked this book when I was your age. Is that still cool? No, when I okay. was your age, I really liked this book. No, I, this is what I recommend. Next time you talk to a five-year-old, sit them down and just be like, so what do you think about this whole Brexit mess, eh? Because at least it's going to be an interesting answer. It's normalised for them. Yeah. It's normalised for them get until them ready they're like for the 21 world. for the next general election to talk about Brexit. Yeah. Just get them ready and be like, because this is probably going to be stretching on for the next 25 bloody years, so you might yeah. as well get ready. <laughs> Get some opinions started. Read some textbooks. Just going back to saying get them ready for the 21 general election, how old do you think you need to be to vote, Carrie? I don't know, actually. Actually, that's another reason why I am Brian. He had a fake ID so that he could vote, and when I turned 18, I remember the thing that I was most excited about was being able to vote. I remember being really annoyed that some of my friends could vote in the general election, was it in 2015? And I couldn't because I was, like, a few days behind the deadline, I was like, damn it! <laughs> I want to demonstrate democracy! Right. What was your meme, Carrie? My meme is, when in doubt, montage! Because that happened a lot. <laughs> it just seemed, we would ha- they would have these in-depth discussions of like, you know, 
life and then but, but things wouldn't actually happen there wouldn't be any sort of any kind of bonding it would just be kind of people monologuing and then suddenly rock music and everyone's dancing and everyone's getting along or people are looking at each other across the room or something or other and montage they very much did that. There was that scene where they're all sitting around and opening up and then Bender was being... Bender. 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 Yeah. yeah. And not very nice and making them cry. And then they, you know, were talking about some very, very deep, very traumatic stuff. And then someone kind of made a joke and it broke the tension. And then suddenly it was a dance montage and then they were all best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Montage especially just fix everything. Claire said, once we're back on Monday, like, I won't be friends with you. And then suddenly after the montage, yeah, I'll be friends with you. And I'm like, oh, an entire rock song changed her mind. Montage just fix everything. Alternately, rock every- songs fix everything. Rock songs fix everything. Guys, bring back rock music. We need to, like, deal with Brexit. It still exists, you know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Bring it back into the public consciousness. We need to march on Parliament. We need to break in to the House of Commons, and we need to have a rock music dance montage. And suddenly, the world will be a better place. What would we play? Born that. to be wild. Don't you forget about, about the impact this decision is having on our generation? <laughs> Montages just fix everything. Montages fix everything, including Brexit. Mm-hmm. That brings us very nicely, actually, to the moral of the story. Carrie, what is your moral of the story? Rock songs fix Brexit. No. Um, My moral is, don't date people like Bender. Just don't. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, please don't. Don't. No. God, please. No. Don't. Don't. No. No. Carrie does not approve. I really do not approve. If I find out anyone I know is dating someone like Bender, I will burn a voodoo doll. I was just going to say give them a stern talking to, but I think we have different methods here. (laughs) Leap straight to the voodoo. (laughs) Carrie, you are the friend who will, like, be over your shoulder while they're on something and be like, nope, nope, not good enough for you, nope. You deserve better. Exactly. You're the type of friend we all need. For all that tindering that I do, yeah. Um, (laughs) This is going to be a couples therapy that we're going to do after the podcast. (laughs) It's fine, we'll have a dance montage. And then it'll be fine! fine. (laughs) To qualify, I don't have Tinder. Never did. I do. Please match with me. I'm on Plenty of Fish instead. (laughs) Christian Mingle all the way. Classic FM has a dating app, and that just makes me so happy. It does. Anyway, my moral of the story is... So, if they hadn't all been in that room locked together, probably not complying with health and safety laws, but if they hadn't had that experience, they would have just continued in their character archetypes and not really addressed these kind of deep-seated issues that they had. So, my moral that I took away from the story is get detention so you can self-reflect and learn things about yourself. That is, that's what I took away. I should get Let's attention not more. bring this up in parent-teachers association meetings. How many of those are we planning to attend over the next, like, ten years? How lonely are you feeling at lunch, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Like, whilst, 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 I'm, whilst I'm on my lunch break, I just pop into the local primary school. That's what I'm assuming, yeah. to be honest. Is that not what you do? <laughs> Yeah, that's my moral story. Get detention so you can learn about yourself. Callum. 
uh, my moral of the story is don't leave your essays until the last minute because however much he may have been proud of that, proud enough to apparently like self-congratulate and then kiss the paper, he did like two sentences of the most like non-committal writing that just like the guy said like it must be at least a thousand words long and I need it from all of you and what they he got was like maybe 50 words that essentially was just like isn't everybody kind of everything anyway bye signed Bob Delilah Boris Colin and (laughs) Janine Janice Janine signed the name of the film (laughs) actually let's let's just take a sec and throw back to your original assumptions about this film Carrie yes Who's Janine? Who's Doris? And who are all of the Doris? There was never a Boris. There was never a Doris. There was always a Boris. Right. I think Bob is a a, a green jumper guy. Um, Brian. Yes, Brian. I think Boris is jock guy. Um, Colin. Yeah, I'm gonna go with this. Colin is. Bad boy man. <laughs> Janine is is cookie lady, and uh, uh, Delilah is 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 Claire. I will agree with you, except I'm going to swap Bob and Colin. I think Colin is. You such think bad boy man, man is Bob? Yes. No. No. I Colin completely is disagree with this. You think a bad boy man is Colin? Call him Cole for short. Colin is the least bad boy game I could possibly think of. <laughs> no, I think, you know, just because you named something doesn't mean you have to, you know, con- become the stereotypes of that name. If you want to be a bad boy and you're named Colin, you go for it, <laughs> But mate. I'm literally asking you to think about the stereotypes and name and match-up characters. Well, you know what? I don't want to be constricted to the social norms. That's so you know fair. What? I need to respect your artistic process. Thank you very much. It's all right. If this film has taught us anything, it's that we're all a little bit Colin. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit Colin sometimes. So this brings us to our final couple of segments for the podcast. So first of all, out of 10, how many poorly written essays would you give this film? I'm going to give it five guys. Like Five guys? Burger and fries. (laughs) Sorry. Not our sponsor. Um, Like literally the whole sexual things going on like made me too uncomfortable to enjoy the film whilst I can appreciate it was a product of its time still made me uncomfortable and I just didn't enjoy it so I'm gonna give it a five five poorly written essays I kind of agree that I feel like it's so annoying because this film is so influential on other forms of media it has so many wonderful things I admire it for um, naturalistic writing for all of the stuff we've talked about so far uh, for our, our good parts of the film I was genuinely entertained for the vast majority of it but it was ruined for me by just so many problematic elements as well so I feel like it would have been up there as like a 9 for me, I've had to bring it back down to like a 7 for similar reasons, I'm giving this a six poorly written essays out of ten. Like, I enjoyed the film, and um, this is actually the second time that I watched it, and I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than the first time because I felt like I understood what was going on a lot better. 
And so, like, I enjoyed it. I appreciated the character studies and all of that. But there's a lot about this film which has just not aged very well. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of things which kind of brings it back down for me. So I'm giving it a six polyurethane essays out of ten. Comparing it to what we thought the film might be about. So we have Boris, Delilah, <laughs> Colin, and we have Bob. They have Saturday morning detention. They serve this breakfast and it's a really bad breakfast. After this, we're gonna go around town and find the best breakfast. And midway through, one of them gets stomach flu. We don't know if they're gonna be able to finish the tour in the town of Sunset Valley. Bob is all fine. <laughs> and they actually find the best breakfast which is their home. Their souls are full of bread. Did you prefer how you thought it was going to go or did you prefer how it doesn't? I prefer how how I thought it was going to go. I would have preferred a much more wholesome exploration of breakfast cafes in Sunset Valley. Uh, I prefer how it how it doesn't, I guess. As much as I would really, really love to still see a, a, a brunch bunch film, I was still thoroughly entertained by this film, and despite its flaws, I still quite like it. I think I prefer how it doesn't, as in I prefer how it actually went, partly because of the food poisoning thing, but also partly because this way we get to make that film by going around lots of brunch places and eating lots so of food. you wanted to save the copyright <laughs> yeah i want to i just want to we want to make that film for eat, ourselves yeah i, I want to make that film i want to eat a lot of food can we arrange to do that soon please i would like that very much i like food i'm so down for that sweet all right so that was our episode of see how it goes relating to the breakfast club thank you very very much for listening Things to plug, Carrie. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie Mo, Carrie Mo ninety seven. Let's pronounce it properly, Carrie. And also, you can follow my uh, photography Instagram at Carrie Mo Photography. She takes pictures real good. Thanks, Rain. Callum, things to plug. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Callum Neville, or if you want to find my. Uh, musical musings then you can follow me at rpgo on twitter and also rpgo music on youtube where i do some of the musics i had to take a month off because i was real ill but i'm getting back into it now and there will be a new track up later this month and it's gonna be real good yes he make music good he do he really do thank friend and our charity for this episode is actually a charity that is called uh, the Magic Breakfast, and they actually go around providing breakfast meals for children attending school. So for every 30 pence donated to Magic Breakfast, uh, it can help them give a child a nutritious breakfast and uh, further support to help underprivileged kids to succeed at school and make sure that they get all the nutrition they need for learning real good that day. Yay! Yeah. That's a really wholesome charity. And it relates really well to the podcast Breakfast, which is obviously the most important thing here. But yeah, check them out. Uh, they're a really great charity. And um, for such a small amount of money, you could be making a real difference to a child.
I think that wraps up our episode. Woo. Thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next time with a as of yet undecided film. So keep watching this space. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.